Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. A man had to go on a business trip one day. Business trip, anybody ever had to be on business trip? Yeah, so we've had to go on business trips before. Uh, this business trip, the company that this guy worked for uh, was going to get him there. They were going to provide a way for him to get there, pay his way, pay for all of his expenses, and take care of him on this trip. It was going to be a great trip. So this trip, this conference that he's going to, was way away, like too far to drive kind of away. And so the company obviously has to buy him a ticket for a plane. So he gets on this trip in order to go to this place, and he has to go get a plane. So he packs all of his stuff, and the day comes for him to go on this trip, and he grabs his luggage, loads his vehicle, goes to the airport, buys his ticket, you know, checks in, passes all the checkpoints, checks his bag, they get it, they take it, everything is perfect. He goes, and he's early, as you're supposed to be, right, because you never know what's going to happen at uh, the airport, so he's there early. And he has enough time to go and get himself a cup of coffee and something to eat. And so he stops at the little Starbucks there and gets his coffee, gets his food, uh, and then goes to his gate to wait. And in his waiting, he's kind of doing some preparation, some planning, looking over his material, things that they're going to cover for this trip and all this. And then they announce over the, the system, hey, boarding group for this time, it's your time to go. So he grabs his stuff, goes through the little tunnel, boards the plane. He's got his backpack. He's looking at his ticket looking for his seat number, and he kind of sees in the distance, okay, that's my seat, I see, okay, I need to, a little bit further and up above, I'm going to put my bag up there, and then he looks over just across the way, and he sees his friend from childhood, from years ago that he hasn't seen in a long time, and excited about seeing his friend, he says, hi, and then says the guy's name, immediately the guy gets arrested, what's the guy's name? Anybody know? Jack. Hi, Jack. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Things you shouldn't say on a plane, right? Hi, Jack. Those of you who don't know what that means, that's when someone who's not a pilot takes over the plane. That's a hijack. So it's not a good thing to say on a plane, hijack, right? So hijack, names are important. Names have a meaning. Names carry a purpose. Names carry something about you. They tell other people who you are. Names have a significant importance. Now, I know that that was a corny joke. That's something my dad told me years ago as a kid. And it took me way longer to figure it out, like ashamedly a long time for me to understand that joke. But our names let other people know who we are. Now, if you think about your name, don't think about it too long because what I'm going to say, it kind of trip you up if you think about it too long. But think about it. Your name is literally just a sound that you identify as. Your name is a sound that other people say, and you're like, yep, that's, that sound, that's me. That's my sound. I claim that sound. That you said, that's my name, I'm claiming it. Names let other people know who you are. Some of you have very significant, very important names, right? Things that have been handed down from your family. My name is Michael. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, my uncle's name is also Michael, so my name came from my uncle. My middle name, who that will go unsaid because I don't like my middle name, comes from my dad's best friend, someone very significant and important in my dad's life. He said, I want to honor you by naming my son after you. So my middle name comes from my dad's best friend. And then some people have names that are kind of like out of left field, right, that you have no idea where they came from. 
doesn't even really sound like a name, but it looks cool on paper, right? And so we have names. Names have significance. Names have importance in our life. The name Michael, if you look it up, actually means gift from God. So you're welcome. I'm your gift. Uh, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm kind of not. Like, my name actually does mean that, but I'm not saying that I'm God's gift to you. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, But names have a purpose. Names have a meaning. Uh, Names are important, right? We follow names. We follow people with names. And there are some names that maybe you don't necessarily like, right? Names that you probably shouldn't name your kid. Anybody, any Adolfs in here? No Adolf? Why not? Why don't we have an Adolf? Because Adolf is associated with evil in history, right? We don't, we're not going to say our, our, we're not going to name our kid Adolf because of the history and the things associated with that name. Any Jezebels? No Jezebels either? I kind of figured, I would, if, if, never mind. But Jezebel, also a name associated with evil in history. Names are important. We just sang about Yahweh, the name above all names, the name of God. The name of God. Now, the history of that word that Brother John has talked about is so important to the history and the people of Israel, right? God, the creator, if you look back in the Old Testament, in Genesis, the word for God is the word uh, Adonai, or Lord, Master, And then later on, you see the addition of Adonai Yahweh. Yahweh, this God, it means creator. And this is the personal name for God. This is God's personal interaction. This is like best friend level name. But it was so important to the people of Israel that when they're writing the name of Yahweh, when the people would write the name, they would write it, first of all, without any vowels. How do you read a word without vowels? One. But they didn't have vowels in it. And then once they wrote it down, they would then throw the pen away because the name was so important. Now, I'm not saying that when you write God that you should get a new pen because we'd have way too many pens. But what I am saying is I think sometimes we lose the severity and the authority of the word God, the name God. And that's what we're talking about today. A few weeks ago, Brother John started this series looking at the Ten Commandments. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. That's where we're going to be today. It's where we've been the past couple weeks. Um, but we started this series in Exodus called Laying Down the Law. This was God's law to his people, his people Israel. This was what God gave them so that they might have relationship with him. This was God's gracious gift to them. So a little bit of history, the people were in Egypt, they were in slavery, God through Moses pulled them out of slavery, out of Egypt, led them into the wilderness, they've been in the wilderness now for a little bit of time, and God says, I'm going to give you a law, I'm going to give you some laws that you might have that you can have relationship with me, this is what I want you to do. So we've looked at the past couple ones, you know, the first one, do not have any other gods, there's no other gods beside the God, and Brother John talked about how the God, the one true God, the God that we worship is the God, period. No other gods. He's the one, and guess what? You're not him. He's God. You are not. Then last week, I wasn't here, but Brother John talked about idols and how we have idols in our worship, and the the command is not to have any idol before God. In other words, don't have anything that takes the place of God in your life. Now, I know I'm going to assume that you don't have just random statues at your house that you're bowing down to, right? 
I think that's often the image that we have in our, in our minds, but an idol is anything that takes the place of God in your life. So what you spend your heart's attention on, where your mind is focused on, where your money goes to, if it's not God first, then that thing is an idol in your life. Okay, so that's what we talked about last week. And today we're going to continue on talking about this worship, talking about this law, looking at the next command, um, looking about how God says not to take his name in vain. So Exodus chapter 20, we're going to read all 10 um, because it's important to know all 10. And I know that you probably know them. You could sing the song, but I'm going to read them anyway. So if you would, would you please stand for the reading of the word of God? Starting in verse 1. Then God spoke all of these words, I am the Lord your God. You could stop there. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery? Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything, in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow and worship to them and do not serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for their father's iniquity to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing faithful love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, because the Lord will not leave anyone unpunished who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days. And then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony against your neighbor, do not covet your neighbor's house, do not covet your neighbor's wife, his male or female servant, his ox or her donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. May God bless his word. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you, we praise you, we're excited about what you're doing here in this church. Lord, we ask that you would be with us in these coming few moments that we get to spend looking at your word and what it means to not take your name in vain. Bless our time together, and we ask these things in your name. Amen. Y'all may be seated. So, looking at the Ten Commandments, we've looked at the first two, and now we're going to look at the third and what it means to not take the name of the Lord in vain. And here's here's the main idea. If you get nothing else, here's what you need to know. The, The application today is that honoring God's name is honoring God. Honoring God's name is honoring God. This past week at camp, we took 44 students and six or seven adults. I don't remember. I never really counted. So if your student's not here, I'm sorry about it. Um, But we took a group of people, about 50 people to camp. And on the first day you get there, about 2.30, 2 o'clock, and you register, you get your shirt, you take your picture, you sign up for your tracks, you find out all this information, and then you go to uh, dinner And then after dinner, you have your first worship service, and it's hype and high energy, and everybody's jumping up and down, and it's great. And then after worship, you had what's called church group time, where you, your entire church, your adults and your students, all come together for just a couple of quick announcements, and then your students can go back throughout the rest of their day. So in this church group time, me and the other adults are standing there, and we're given kind of some general rules, you know, be where you're supposed to be, here's what time breakfast is, here's all these other information that you need to know. And one of the things that we said was to remember who you're representing, right? So on their name tag, you get a name tag, and your name tag had your name, obviously. 
and it had a schedule on the back, but it also said what church you're from, what church you're representing. I'm so-and-so at FBC Flora. Remember who you're representing. And what we were saying to them is to present yourselves in such a way that reflects greatly on our church. Remember who you're representing. People know what church you're with. It's written on your name tag. What you do and what you say reflects on us as a church. And the same thing is true of us as believers. What we do and what we say shows others who or what we belong to. The third commandment, God commands his followers to not use or take the Lord's name in vain. All right, cool, I don't do that. I don't say, oh my God, I'm good. Check, done, next service, I'm good to go. I think that's the way we think about it. That's the way we understand this. Don't say, oh my God, or my children say, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, I've done good. They don't say, oh my God. They don't do that. And I was told that for many years. Don't, don't say, oh my God. You can say, oh my gosh, you can say, oh my goodness, and that's great. Don't say, oh my God. And I think that's how we translated and understood this command for a long time. And what I was doing, and as I was studying this this week, the more the Lord kind of revealed that it's much more than that. Now, I'm going to be honest. This week, I was very stressed about this because I had no time. If you've ever been to camp, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, there's no time in the day to sit, sit down. Um, so I didn't have a lot of time to sit down and write and prepare this. And uh, another thing that I like to do and that I think we should do when we get up to prepare the word is to actually prepare, right, and not just get up here and try to wing it. So I'll have you know I'm not winging it. Here's notes, okay? Um, there's a pen, but I'm not winging it, so I had some time to study. And one of the things I like doing when I'm studying is looking at other people's words, looking at commentaries and dictionaries and history books and that kind of thing. And I got really stressed because I was like, all my resources, everything that I normally do is here at church, and I have nothing with me. How am I going to do this? And the Lord sat me down, and he was like, hey, look, let me tell you something. You don't need those things. You don't have to have those things. Why? Why do I not have to have those things, God? Because this is all you need. This is the word. This is the word. This is the truth. Yeah, it's great to have those resources, but I think so often we diminish the work of this by looking at other things. We, look, we get so caught up looking at other things that we forget that this is actually the word of God. This is all we need. So as I was looking at this and studying this this week and praying through this, the Lord revealed kind of three things, three ways that I think that we can take the Lord's name in vain. And the first one is this, do not use the Lord's name in vain, firstly, literally. In other words, with our actual words, with what we say. The original Hebrew translation of this commandment, which, by the way, Old Testament written in Hebrew, reads, do not carry, as opposed to do not take. Kevin D. Young said that we are forbidden from taking the name of God or taking up the name or bearing the name, as the phrase could be translated, in a manner that is wicked, worthless, or of wrong purposes. We are forbidden from using this name in a manner that is wicked, worthless, or for wrong purposes. So to understand the severity of taking the Lord's name in vain, we must first see the Lord's name from his perspective as outlined in Scripture. When you read the Bible, you come across these descriptions of God, right? He is our Father. He's a loving God. He's a just God. He's our caretaker. He's our strength, our refuge, right? And I think we use those as adjectives, descriptors for who God is or what God is like. But here's the truth. Those words are God. It's who he is. 
These aren't just other names for God. They are who he is. He is love. He is just. He is strength. He is our refuge. God's name is who he is. He told Moses, I am who I am. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the healer, the creator, the provider, the good shepherd, the light of the world, the way, the truth, and life, our good father, the one who never leaves us or will forsake us. He leaves the 99 to come and find the one. He's the provider, the sustainer, the author, the redeemer, once for all sacrifice, lamb slain for our sin from the foundations of the world. That is our God. Those aren't just descriptions. That's who we worship. That's his name. I don't know about you, but my name ain't that great. His is. The Bible is full of exaltation for God's name and gives glory for all he's done. And because of the greatness of the name of God, not just the greatness of God, but the greatness of the name of God, any use of God's name that brings dishonor to him or on him or on his character is taking it in vain. Any use of God's name that brings dishonor on him or on his character is taking his name in vain. So, doing evil in connection with God's name and leading others astray with God's name is a violation against God and who he is and all that he stands for. What does that even mean? When I was in high school, uh, I was dating this girl, and uh, things weren't necessarily going great. Kind of wanted out of the relationship. So I go to church camp. Go to church camp, right? And at this church camp, feeling super spiritual, the Lord's like, man, the Lord is moving. And I didn't want to be in this relationship. So I get back to back home from this church camp, and here's, here's what happened. Text this girl, hey, the Lord told me at church camp I need to break up with you. <laughs> yeah, super spiritual, right? Super spiritual. Sounds great. Sounds super religious. He's so close to God that... The Lord told him that I'm in the way of his relationship with the Lord. That's a bunch of lies is what it was. I just wanted out of that relationship. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. That's what it means to use the Lord's name for purposes not designated to his name. Now, that's a silly example, but there are other ways in which we do that. When we use our religiosity, our religion to point others in a direction that does not align with Scripture and point it off and write it off as, God told me this. God said this. God showed me this. It's using God's name in vain. Using it in a way that it was never intended to be used. That we are even allowed to come before his throne is due only to his gracious and most merciful love for us. The fact that we can even approach God, that we can talk to God, is not anything that we deserve, not anything that we can do to, did to deserve that. It's only because of his grace in our life that we can even talk to him. So why would we then take that for granted and defame his name? We must never take that grace for granted. Words have power, right? Hi, Jack. Words have power. You've heard it said that, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will, what? Never hurt me. Lies. Most hurt I've ever felt came from words. Had a lot of sports injuries. Worst pain, words. Words have power. They're not just empty. They're not in vain. What does vain even mean? I think when we read this, we read that word vain, and we're like, okay, yeah, cool. Don't, don't say, oh, my God. But what does vain even mean? What does it mean to if something is in vain? The word vain means empty. It indicates a preoccupation with self that is something of worthlessness. 
or preoccupation of self. Some translations have the word misuse. Do not misuse the Lord's name. So what does that mean? That word misuse means to misappropriate something by using it for an unintended purpose. So when we use God's name in vain or use it for a misappropriate or an unappropriate use of God's name for something it was never intended to be. God's name is holy. It's set apart. It's different. We also have to remember some of the context here. See, during these days, during the time that this was written, there were all of these other nations coming together, and they all had these other gods that they would worship. And I say gods because they had multiple. So Israel, as we've already seen, is different. It's already set apart because they have one God who is claimed to be the God, the one true God. So Israel's already different. But now God is giving him his name. Why is that important? See, the other religions of this day believe that if you knew the name of the God of your worship, that you could then control him. If you knew the name of your God, the God that you worship, that you could control that God. So when God gives this people his name, it's shocking. Because this God, the God that we worship, is not one that we can control. So it's shocking to this people. So why did he then give them his name? Because he wanted relationship. If you go back all the way through Genesis, read from Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation, the one thing you'll see that God always wants is relationship with you. God gives him this name. He gives them, these people, his name because he wants that relationship. It's a relational thing. This was God's way of showing that how much he cared for his people and how much he desired to have that relationship with them. See, it's one thing to call God by a title such as king or creator. It's another thing to know him by his personal name. This was intimate. God has given his children his name and then instructed them not to abuse it. I've heard of abuse of power or like, like Spider-Man, right? Spider-Man people, where are you at? Big Spider-Man guy. When the first ever like, live-action Spider-Man movie came out that I remember, there was a quote that said, with great power comes great responsibility. Right? And the same is true here. When we have the name of God, there's a temptation to abuse it and say, in the name of God, I can do X, Y, Z because I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm a, because I'm a child of God. But what does it mean? What does it look like when we literally, verbally misuse God's name? In the book of Leviticus, God tells his people not to use his name in an oath. He says, you must not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God, I am the Lord. When you say, I swear to God I'm so hungry I could eat a cow, it's defaming the name of the Lord. Or I swear to God, if she says one more thing about me, she's going to regret it. Defaming the name of the Lord. In Ephesians, Paul says, let no unwholesome talk come from your mouth. See, here's the thing. If it's not glorifying unto God, you shouldn't be saying it. If it is not, if what you're saying is not glorifying unto God, you shouldn't be saying it at all. Because that's defaming the name of the Lord. I'm good though, right? Because I taught my kids to say, oh my goodness, look at me. Oh my gosh. They don't say Jesus Christ, they say Jesus. But what are you substituting it for? Because the substitute doesn't change the intent. The language doesn't change the intent. This isn't a matter of vocabulary. It's a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of words. This is a heart problem. And I'll be the first to say that I'm guilty. 
So I'm not going to call you out and then say that I'm perfect because I'm not. I'm guilty of it. Still do. Still fall short in this. And I think we all do. And that's why there's grace. So I'm not saying this to say that you need to change everything you're doing. But rather that we should be trying to glorify God in all things in word. And the secondly, in our actions. The first thing being literally, verbally with our words. But secondly, physically. I never thought about taking the Lord's name in vain with our actions until this week. But there's something different. There's something more to this command than just our words. See, those who claim the name of Christ, who pray in his name, who take his name as part of their identity, but who deliberately and continually disobey his commands are taking his name in vain. When we were saved, we were given a new name, a new title to identify with, Christian, meaning little Christ. It's who we are. That's our banner. That's who the Lord says that we are. We are little Christ. We are his name, his children, his people. So when we actively disobey him in sin, in our actions, guess what? You're using the Lord's name, that title, in vain. Like our students this past week, they represented you guys. They represented y'all perfectly. And let me tell you, we've got some great students. We had no issues. So hats off to you parents. Hats off to the rest of you who have helped raise them. They represented us well. But they did. They represented us We have the same command then to represent God to everyone else. I know that uh, I'm not a farmer, never will claim to be. It's just not my skill set, clearly. But there are farmers in here, and if you own cattle, there's something you do called a brand, right? When you brand something, what are you doing? You're telling other people, other farmers, hey, this specific cow, bull, goat, whatever, belongs to me. It's a representation of you. It tells people who you belong to. In the same way, as Christians, we're given that title of Christian as a brand to other people. We should then look like Christ. We are now the bearers of his name. When God gave this command to the people of Israel, it was much more than just a command about our speech. See, the other nations knew that Israel belonged to this one creator God, this one true God that they claimed. See, now they have a duty to live up to their name, to bear the name of God well. In fact, when you look at the Bible, you see that when God chose this people, this people of Israel, he gave them a, a duty, a job. They were to be his representation to the world. In essence, they were a priestly nation. They were called to be a kingdom of priests to the nations, to represent God to the people. As Christians, that's our job. We now take that title of Christian and we're to represent Christ to the world. See, if we profess to be Christians but act, think, and speak differently or act, speak and, uh, act, think and speak in a worldly manner or profane manner, we take his name in vain. When we misrepresent Christ, either intentionally or through ignorance of the Christian faith as proclaimed in Scripture, we take the Lord's name in vain. When we say we love God, but we do not do what he commands, we take the Lord's name in vain. We're misusing it. Luke 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but don't do the things I say? Disobedience to the Lord leads us to a dangerous place. See, if we claim to be with Christ, if we claim Christ with our words, 
but our actions do not match up, then we run the risk of being one of the people that Jesus talks about in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. Only the one who what? Does the will of my Father. See, it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to act something. This past week at camp, the camp pastor um, gave an illustration that I'm going to steal today. Talked about coffee. Coffee drinkers in here, raise your hand. Could really go for some. I'm really sleepy. Um, but he told this story about coffee, right? He said that uh, when you go to a coffee shop, that he would, he would just spend day, like his entire day at this coffee shop. Because he loved the smell of coffee, he would drink his coffee, he would do his work there, he would study there, respond to emails there. An entire day of work done at this coffee shop, right? I could do that. I love being at a coffee shop. It's one of my favorite things. Um, but he would spend his entire day at this coffee shop, and then at the end of the day, after he'd done all of his work, he would then go home to hug his wife, and when he walks in the door to go to hug his wife, his wife says, nope, stop right there, hand up, not hugging me. He's like, hold up, I've been gone all day, I just want to hug my wife, why can't I hug you? She said, you smell like coffee shop. See, that's appealing to some, but not to others. But here's the thing. When we spend time there with something, we inherit that fragrance. In the New Testament, God calls us to be the fragrance of him in the world. But then he also said that there's some people who could uh, grab a coffee mug, right? Put your coffee in. This is a Cups coffee mug. I'm a big Cups guy. I love Cups coffee. And you could grab this coffee mug and pour your own coffee in it. And go to work and people think, oh, he went to Cups. He spent some time at Cups this morning. He looked like he went to Cups. Or on the way to work, you might not have time to make coffee. So you drive through and get some. And you got your own coffee mug that's got the Cups logo on it. Or Starbucks or whatever your coffee of choice is. And you look great. I can carry the coffee mug all day and look like I've been to the coffee shop. I might not even like coffee. But someone I'm trying to win their approval of does. And so I carry the coffee mug. I look good carrying a coffee mug, right? I think so many of us just carry the coffee mug. We look good. We can say we're a Christian with our words. We say we love God with our words, but our actions tell something different. The book of James says that faith without works is dead. Christianity, salvation, is not a matter of words. It's a matter of works. It's a matter of both, the combination of the two. So what you say has to be backed up by the way you live. Taking the Lord's name in vain also means not living up to that word that you say. When we fail to live out our faith, we are taking the Lord's name in vain. As I said earlier, one of the better translations in the Hebrew says, do not carry the Lord's name in vain, as opposed to do not take or do not say the Lord's name in vain. In essence, we carry the name of the Lord with us wherever we go. So carry it well. Keeping this command to not bear God's name in vain changes everything about how we live, or it should. We're representing Christ, God crucified, to the people of the world. That should change how we live. God's covenant people must see themselves as belonging to him, representing him to the world. See, to bear his image in vain would be to us, for us to enter this covenant relationship with him, but
but to live no differently than unbelievers. I think so many of us, it's true of our lives. At camp this week, one of uh, our students was in a Bible study with another student who openly said, I'm not a Christian, want no part of it, have no desire to be a Christian. I enjoy my sin too much. And so they had this conversation. And throughout the time of this conversation, this statement was said, I don't want to be a Christian because y'all do the same thing I do. You just claim to be a Christian. You're just doing the same thing I'm doing. Words different than actions. When people look at you, are you bearing his name well? Or are you like someone carrying a coffee mug? Your words say one thing, but your actions speak differently. See, both of these things that we've talked about so far are really a result of the last thing that we're going to talk about. So thirdly, with our heart, heartedly. I don't know if that's a word. If not, I'm making it up. Thirdly, with our hearts. See, our words and our actions flow from our hearts. The Gospel of Matthew, Jesus confronts a group of people called the Pharisees and tells them the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. What's in your heart will come out. If you have a bad root, you're going to have bad fruit. Uh, If you've ever been sick before, which I would venture to say all of you have, it's one thing to treat the symptoms of the sickness. It's another thing to treat the the sickness itself. I can have a sore throat all I want. I can can fix the sore throat. I can have cough drops and, and drink water and liquids and fix the sore throat. But if I don't fix the issue itself, guess what? One day, that sore throat's coming back. Because I never fixed the issue. I never fixed the heart of the problem. See, the first two things, our words and our actions, are a symptom of the third thing, our heart. See, this command to not take the Lord's name in vain is not a matter of words and actions. It's a matter of your heart. The name of the Lord is a representation of his glory, his majesty, and his supreme deity. We are to esteem and honor his name as we revere and glorify God himself. To do any less take his name in vain. When we fail to glorify him or revere his name or point to him in all things, taking his name in vain. Like I said earlier, it's not, this command is not one concerning vocabulary, but of your heart. It's not necessarily a matter of your action. It's a heart issue. I can do good at not saying things bad or saying bad things. I can fix that. That's an issue that I can do. I can even look good. I can fix my actions. But if the heart isn't fixed, then we're missing this command. Because those symptoms will come back. And yeah, I can fix my words. And I can fix my actions. But I can't fix my heart. Only God can do that. So how does this apply to me? How and what way do I respond to this? Out of the abundance of your heart, you speak. Are your words glorifying Jesus? Are your actions glorifying Jesus? Yes, carrying the Lord's name means that our words should glorify Him in all things, but it also means that our actions have to as well. So how are you living? How's your heart? 
We might not be cursing or defaming him with our words, but failure to carry his name well is still failing to fulfill this command. It's a heart issue. So how's your heart? Just a couple seconds, I'm going to pray, and uh, we're going to have a time of response. Whatever you need to deal with, however the Lord is dealing with you, we all struggle. We all struggle with this. We all fail to live up to God's name. But he is still God, and he is still worthy of our sacrifice. He is still worthy of our dedication and devotion. So whatever it is that's keeping you from glorifying him in all things, would you lay that at the altar this morning? Lord, we love you. We praise you. We're grateful for this word, Lord, that you have given us, that you have called us to be different. Lord, you've called us to look different than the world, to glorify you in all things. Lord, in words and in actions, God, but, and we can fix those things. I and myself can fix my words and my actions, but only you can fix my heart. So Lord, change the hearts of those of us who need to glorify you in all things. We love you, we praise you, and we ask these things.